You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We're talking about sheep among wolves, and this is our series right now, Navigating Media. Now, I do want to say, just in light of everything that's going on in our world, the continual uh, uh, flux, I guess you could say, and remember that Jesus and his angels many times came to us and encouraged us and said, either fear not or let not your heart be troubled. And that, I think, testifies to the reality of the fact that we are people that succumb to fear and we succumb to worry and we succumb to doubt and we succumb to uh, uh, trouble, I guess you could say, being upset by certain things in our life. This, this series that I'm dealing with here is not to scare anyone, not to uh, cause anyone grief, but to admonish you and to encourage you. I have, in the last several years of my life, uh, been jolted, I guess you could say, to a positive uh, posturing in the Spirit. And it's constant, it's continual in my devotion and in my prayer. It probably has a little bit to do with my personality and the propensity that I have to be a pessimist, to be... uh, a, a, a negative or a naysayer, but the Word of God is constantly affirming us. It is constantly giving us the knowledge and the confidence that we have to go forward. And uh, last night, there was a, I didn't catch it until later this afternoon, but last night, uh, Pastor Anthony Manga, for those of you that aren't familiar with him, pastors a, a, a decent-sized church in Alexandria, Louisiana, and they host a minister's conference every year called Because of the Times. It hosts somewhere around, I don't know, 3,500 people or something like that, 3,000, and uh, mostly ministers. They weren't able to have it, of course, this year, and then he got COVID. They were going to do it virtually. They had to cancel that, and then while he had COVID, he was praying yesterday uh, or the day before and felt like God inspired him to speak anyway, so from his living room, he got on and he talked, and if you didn't get a chance, maybe I'll share that. We can Maybe we can share that link in the private group, and you can go back and watch it. Only about a 25-minute message from his living room, but it was so encouraging. One of the statements that he said is that God's church is not going to heaven in a wheelchair. God's church is not going into heaven on crutches. But God's church is going to be alive and well. They're going to be strong. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. So uh, uh, I am jolted, I guess you could say. That's the word I use, I am jolted to a positive posture that God has enabled us with everything we need, amen, to make it through every trial, every situation, and every circumstance that comes before us. And God thought enough of you to place you right here in this moment, in the middle of your circumstances, come on somebody, right here in the day and age in which we are living, to be the church, amen, of the living God. I I think we ought to give God glory and honor and praise right now. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. 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 Amen. And somebody said amen. 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 So I've come to encourage you tonight. Amen. So don't be fooled by the title, Sheep Among Wolves. That doesn't sound like a very good position that you want to be in. But as I said last week, we were never intended to be sheep without a shepherd. And when we are close to the great shepherd, we always have protection. We always have direction. And that is how God intends it for us to be. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Ask God to be with us over these next couple of minutes. Would you pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that we can gather together in your house. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. And I pray right now over these next few moments, God, that you would strengthen our minds and our hearts, edify us by your word and your spirit. I pray, God, that I can strengthen your people tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray this right now. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Sheep among wolves, navigating media. So this is a short series that we have here for today's world. The simple summary I gave last week, and I'm not going to rehash everything. Uh, You can go back and you can catch that. We're talking about four factors. But the simple summary that I gave you was this quote comes from a really good source. If it offends you, cut it off. God. That was the quote. That was the theme to live by. That was sort of the principle to leverage in your life. And you can go back and you can look at that. Jesus himself said that. God himself said that. And he's hoping that you would not have to pluck out your eye, that you would not have to cut off uh, uh, your hand for offense and its temptation to sin. But if you would be willing to go to the extent to live without it, then you will have the self-discipline to be able to to allow God to lead you in your life. We're talking about navigating media. So media, let's talk about what media is. Media is simply a medium. It is a device by which a message is carried. And we must acknowledge that the medium or the media can become the message. Everything is changed. It is not the same watching church online in home as it is being in the house. We acknowledge that. We understand that. It would be foolish of us to pretend like it is the same thing. That being said, I thank God that we have the mediums of technology, amen, to redeem, amen, what however the world may use it, however anybody else may use it, God can use it for his glory, Amen. And and we have seen this year people both filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their own homes just by tuning into church online. And that being this church right here in particular, where people have been able to tune in and the power of God moves upon their heart in that moment. I thank God for that. So my personal admonishment as pastor is have it, redeem it, but take it or leave. The media is just a tool. It's not a vice. It's not a crutch. We can take it or leave it. Oftentimes when we say media, we think of things like social media. We go there. We we think of things like news media. We, We go there. And then we think of obviously things like entertainment and those devices from television and the internet and now even down to the devices that we wear and we carry with us in our smartphones. There are four factors to consider in navigating media. We began last week with our introduction and talking about the sin 
factor. I won't repeat that, but let me continue on uh, quickly as I get through this factor. We left off in 1 John where, where John admonishes us to love not the world, you know, the things that are in the world, uh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, uh, the lust of the flesh, that's all in the world. And he says, don't love the world. Why? Because the world passeth away and the lust thereof. The world passeth away. It, it's not enduring. It's not long lasting. This is what scripture tells us that the pleasures of sin, as the writer of Hebrews says, uh, when speaking of Moses, the pleasures of sin are for a season, but in that season, there is an end. And the end of that is corruption. The end of that is, is destruction. The end of that is death. And John says, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There is a factor in how we use and navigate media, the sin factor. It's, it's, it's amoral, meaning it has no moral value in and of itself, but it's how it's used. It's what happens. The problem with the internet is not the internet, it's the people that are on the internet. The problem with social media, the problem with anything is not that entity, it is what consumes that entity. It is what inhabits that entity. And so we must acknowledge that. The sin factor. Let's go to Luke chapter 11 and verse 34, and we see another part of this. Luke chapter 11 and verse 34. When we speak of media, we can uh, uh, talk about uh, uh, audible media. Of course, media is audible, but by and large in our day, media is visual. It has a visual effect upon us. And that visual effect is well documented not only in today's world, but it's also talked about and spoken about at different times at length throughout the Old Testament are a visual effect. In fact, John said, did he not? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. There is a lust of the flesh, but there is also a lusting of the eyes. In, jo- in Luke chapter 11 and verse 34, it reads, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. There is a connection between the eyes and the heart and the soul. Someone said that the eyes are the window of the soul. The eyes become the window of the soul. There is a connection between what you gaze upon, what you look upon, what you are constantly drawn to, and your heart and your soul. Your soul, your heart's desire, who you are inside will will determine where you look and what you look at. 
but it also goes the other way. What you see and what you look at has the ability to affect you as a person and as an individual. This is why when Job was accused by his friends, when he was suffering the lowest point of his life, they came along and said, surely, Job, there's got to be a rational explanation for why you're going through all of your suffering. You've probably committed adultery. And Job said, no, I have not. I've been upstanding. I've been, I've been pure in my life. I have been faithful in my marriage. And in his defense, he says, I have made a covenant with mine eyes that I will not think upon a maid. What he was saying in that phrase in that moment was he was acknowledging something that there is an effect. There is a connection between what you see and how it affects your heart. And while I can do the best to not look at things that are inappropriate, there are times where my eyes will see things that my natural man might lust after or desire, or and it can affect me. But Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes not to think upon a maid. I may not always be able to control what I see, but I can control how I dwell upon it, what I think about it, how I let it affect my life. So we don't walk around with blinders on as Christians and we don't say, oh, God forbid that I see anything. So we take our glasses off. So we're just stumbling around. No, Job lets us know that we can walk with the eyesight that God has given us, and yet we can still live with a covenant, a determination that we are not going to yield to the things that our eyes come across. There is a connection between the eyes and between the heart. In light of the fact that media is so visual, it is critical that we as believers, as Christians, have this covenant in our heart. I'm not going to yield myself to the influence of this world. I don't want to yield myself to the influences of other people in my life. I want the Lord to be the one who directs my path, who helps me, who, who puts guardrails, if you will, on the parameters of how I think. Somebody said amen. amen. So you cannot, you cannot see things and it not affect your heart unless you have made a covenant with God, with your eyes. You've made a commitment in your own spirit. That's why it matters. There's an old Sunday school song we used to sing. We don't sing it in, in a big church because we're adults, right? We don't need to sing it. But maybe we do need to sing it. It says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There is a principle that is very elementary in our life. Be careful what you see. Be careful what 
you see. Let me admonish you as pastor. Yes, we get older. We understand that in our maturity and our understanding, we are able as adults, as mature Christians to see things and, and, and study things, research things without it having a, a negative effect on our spirit. There are times in careers, there are times in study and research where you, you happen upon things, you see things, and, and it does affect you, but it doesn't stain you. It doesn't mar you. Uh, those things that you may be able to handle as an adult would not be, let's say, appropriate or uh, acceptable for a child to see because they don't know how to process that and it would affect them. And so I get all that and I understand that, but, but there is something intrinsically wrong with us saying that, oh, it doesn't affect me and yet constantly sitting down to a diet of violence and immorality and hate and evil spirits and worldviews that are contrary to the things of Scripture. Don't make the mistake of saying, I'm big enough. I can handle it. And just allowing yourself to be a recipient of things that can tear down your faith and tear down your spirit and tear down the victory that God has put in your heart. He says, when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. There is the sin factor to be concerned with. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And here he goes beyond just the visual issue. But he says this in verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols. Note the connection here between those who are born again and filled with the spirit and those that are of idolatry. He says for ye are the temple of the living God, as God saith, hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church, and he is going back and quoting from an Old Testament passage to come out and be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing. God wants us to keep a distance in our life, not to fall. If you catch the tone here, do not fall into alignment with idolatry. As a child of God, as a born again believer of God, don't be unequally yoked to Together with unbelievers. Now, is he saying you can't sit down with unbelievers? No. In fact, he goes on and says that you need to have a good reputation with unbelievers. You can't have a reputation without having relationship. He understands that, that we're in the world, but not of the world. That is all spoken to us. But what he's talking about here is to come into agreement or to come 
into alignment with something that is contrary to God. And he specifically speaks about idolatry. You cannot walk step in step in alignment spiritually with the world's view. You cannot walk in alignment, amen, with a a secular uh, worldly ideology. You cannot walk in alignment with idolatry, that which puts something else up to worship it, to follow after it, to serve it. Amen. Self-justifying without getting too deep into what idolatry was. You cannot allow yourself to fall in alignment with the world. This is important because we live with worldviews in conflict. We literally live with worldviews in conflict. I, I, as a Christian, as a Bible-believing Christian, I find myself out of step oftentimes with most politicians, with most uh, 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 corporate uh, uh, mantras or decisions because they are after the world. They are after themselves. If I could be so bold, I thank God for this nation. I thank God for our freedoms. I mean, shouldn't we thank God every day for that? But not everything in the quote-unquote American spirit is actually biblical. And we have to be careful that we don't just lay down and fall into alignment with with things that are contrary to the biblical worldview. His Bible has to reign supreme in our life. His Word has to be the ultimate authority in my life. I find it interesting that that Paul here speaks and he specifically warns us against alignment with idolatry. We're talking about media. We're talking about uh, navigating media today. One of the most powerful tools for the sexual revolution of the last We could say now many decades because it is not over. It is uh, uh, only escalating evermore. But one of the greatest tools has been that of media. In the Old Testament, everywhere that you go and you study idolatry, paganism, uh, uh, ancient idolatry, things that God wanted to keep his people from, that idolatry was always paired together with a practice of nakedness and sexual immorality. Idolatry in Scripture and nakedness and sexual immorality always go together. Whenever we displace God as Lord of all, we place self as a higher object. And when they created other idols, though those idols were created by man. Man was creating those idols for their convenience and for their self-justification. We are living in a day and age. Paul said this, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. It is not an accident 
that the greatest tool for not only the sexual revolution, but even today, the sex trade is media. It's the internet, sexual abuse, and everything else. We must be careful, and we must be alert. We must be on guard for what we allow into our heart, into our life, into our home, and we must also be very careful that we do not fall into alignment with something, hear me today, that is contrary to the Word of God. So we have to consider the sin factor with regard to media. Do I need to talk about, do I need to connect the dots? I don't think I do, but um, uh, there, there is, uh, and, and I use media, I was on social media today, I use media a lot, so you, I think you all know, uh, we're on YouTube and Facebook tonight. Um, we use this all the time. I, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I, I post about Bibles. I, I don't know. I've had, I think, five or six pastors call me this week. Hey, where did you get that Bible? What kind of Bible should I get? And telling them different things. So I use different things. I'm on there. I connect with people all the time. I'm not talking bad about that. One of the greatest things uh, that I love today in this modern world is the, uh, the technology that YouTube has brought to us. Because if you don't know how to do something, man, it is so nice <laughs> to go to YouTube and say, how do I do this? Come on, anybody else know what I'm talking about? So there's a lot of good benefits in media. So don't misunderstand what I am saying, but we must be careful. There are also uh, uh, pitfalls. There are also entrapments. There are also things. You can go innocently to something and a commercial pops up. You can go innocently to a website. You think, or, or you go innocently and all of a sudden something comes up that you weren't looking for. Uh, 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 we don't give our child uh, the phone unattended because of, of not what we're worried necessarily about what he's going to go do, which that's always a factor, but we're worried about what unknowingly pops up that we have no clue for that comes up that 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 will will scare him that could affect him that could affect uh, uh, children you've got to be careful and wary for that social media sites that are uh, intentionally visual uh, for instance like Instagram or Snapchat, TikTok, uh, these have been used at great abuses and the effects that it's had not only upon our youth, upon our minors, largely, by the way, upon young men and young women, upon girls and boys, but it's also uh, been damaging in relationships and in marriages, uh, uh, the pornography uh, is at an all-time high, at an all-time high. And media, we are fastly uh, uh, just coming to a place where uh, teenagers and not even uh, uh, teenagers, tweens, and not even the tweens, uh, uh, even our little kids now, secularists are telling us that they are spending upwards of nine hours a day on an internet. Nine hours a day. Um, that's like setting your baby down in, a pa in the midst of a pack of wolves and hoping that they come out alive. And so we have to be careful about all of this. Uh, there's more. I've got to hasten on. First John 
John chapter 2 and verse 18, little children, as it is the last time, as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Uh, that's First John, sorry, thank you. Second John, first uh, one and seven says this, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming to the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Antichrist is a spirit. It is uh, at work in our world today, attacking everything, and uh, it is prevalent. And one of the ways that it is prevalent is obviously upon media. So don't just check your brain. Too often we use media as a tool of relaxation. And, and frankly, you cannot relax. Navigating media in today's world. Maybe you used to, maybe you used to could back in the day, but uh, you can't relax anymore because you don't know the agendas that are coming out and being presented. Now, as Christians, we can eat the meat, we can spit out the bones. Um, You see something, you can turn it off. Uh, uh, you come across something that's not appropriate. You, you have the, the ability. Um, one of the most powerful things, one of the most powerful tools uh, uh, that ever came on a remote was the eject button. Uh, but we don't eject things anymore because it's all, it's all there on, on the digital media. You can speed faster. You can do whatever. But too often we sit down in a psychological posture to relax from a long day or whatever. And we use the term, we want to just go veg out. Veg out. You know, that does not mean that you're sitting down with a nice plate of vegetables and you're, you're, you know, putting good nutrition and all that stuff in your body. It, it's, it's referring to your mind becoming like a vegetable. And, and that comes from, a, 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 you know, a scientific kind of term of what happens to you when you do that. You cannot just relax. Um, you've got, I look at everything whenever, uh, we watch something as a family, man, I look at everything. I go online and I find a review site and I want to know, does this have, uh, uh, call me old fashioned. Does this, what, what does this have sexuality in here? What does this have curse words? What does this have violence? What does this have even in worldview? What's this, what's this promoting? What's this, uh, uh, propagating? What, what is this in our life and in our home? What is this that I'm allowing to come into my own? spirit. And if I could sit down and veg out, the devil can throw sin. And if I, if I find some kind of a, uh, let's say, uh, what am I, a high, an emotional high off of immorality, that is not conducive to a Christian lifestyle. So, um, so there, yeah, I think, I think we, we could, Go on, but I don't need to talk about that. Sin factor, whether social media or entertainment. Sin factor, the lust. Lust, is this causing me to lust? Uh, envy, is this causing... I think you could use this on social media, specifically specifically on visual media. Is this causing me to envy? Is social media causing you... And remember, go back to the principle. If it offends you, cut it off. 
When you get on social media, are you lusting after things that you ought not be, able, ought not be lusting after? When you get on social media, are you envying over things that other people have and people don't have? Are, are, is your spirit becoming bitter? Are you becoming covetous? Are you, are you promoting or a part of, of, of a boastful attitude, boastful, prideful, sensual? These are things that the Bible says are going to escalate in the last times. And wow, now we could see it ever more because it's not only lived out, but it's done as well online. Sin factor, not only that, not only can you watch things and watch sin, not only can you lust after things, but you can actually be a part of a sin factor on social media. You say, well, how is that? Well, if your mouth can take you to hell, your fingers can also. And people say things online that they would not say publicly to a crowd or even to a person's face. But there is a disconnect when we are alone with a device typing onto a screen removes the humanity factor in it. And those things about not gossiping and those things about not tearing down and those things about loving one another, all of those things about having harmony in the church, all those things about walking in humility is very escapable from us sometimes on the Internet. And so we've got to be careful. If that's a sin trap for you, cut it off. If that's a problem for you, be, be man enough, be woman enough, be, be mature enough to say, you know what, this is something that I don't need in my life. If you can handle it, God bless you, go, go for it. But for me, it is not worth, it is not worth the despair in my spiritual heart. Get right with God, take a break from it, turn it off, delete the app for a while, turn the TV off, unplug the internet, do whatever you've got to do. You will survive. You will live. And you might even live a better life. You might even get through some things. Not only that, constant diet, a constant diet of news media and talk shows are, 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 can become dangerous for us when we start taking our cues, making life decisions and opinions from people that are not spirit-filled, that are not concerned necessarily for your eternal soul, and, and it, can become, uh, it can become a trap for, for us. I tell you, we need to take our cues from Scripture, from the Word of God, and we need to walk in faith. Walk in faith. Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 All right. Well, I got a few of you. All right. We're going to go to the next, the second factor here. Second factor is the time factor. And I don't have a lot of time tonight. So we're going to go quick through the time factor. Ephesians 5 and 15. Media, the time factor. I'm going to give you a list of books here tonight, but one of the books that I would reference that I read many, uh, uh, yeah, probably many years ago was the book called Alone Together, several years ago, within the last decade. Alone Together, I think it came out in 2012, Why We Expect More from Technology and Less from Each Other. Sherry Turkle is the author there, and Alone Together, she talks about how we are spending more time together and we are more alone than ever before. Because we are separated by our devices, by screens, by different things. The time factor. Let's just talk about the time factor here. Uh, The time factor, Ephesians 5 and 15. Paul says this, Seeing then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So everybody note wisdom here is needed. What Paul is saying is you 
and I need wisdom. And then he goes to verse 16. Look at what he says. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't have much time left, folks. The Lord is coming. And even if he doesn't come in my lifetime, my life is quickly going out. It is passing. Job says it's as a vapor and it passes so quick. Redeem the time. Don't look back and realize how much wasted, frivolous, unproductive time I had. How much time do you spend? Now, when it's your career, when it's your job, there's exceptions. When you're doing work on that, I get all of that. But we've got to be careful. Even in a pandemic, as a pastor, many of the ways that I can communicate with you is through text or through phone call right now. And so I find myself on my phone more than ever before. I'm on an email. I'm, I'm, I'm const- I can't even keep up. It's like the email gun just magnified a hundred times a day and shoots me and I can't even respond to enough text and emails and all of a sudden you get so many, how do you keep up with that? And you're on there and then you realize I'm on it all the time and, I, and, I, and I've caught, I caught myself uh, uh, wasting time. It's almost like I'm so used to people calling me or texting me, I, I find myself holding the phone like waiting for the next text or whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm being a little, little funny here, but that actually has happened before. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a child. I've got a wife that I could be spending my time together. I could be doing other things here. But we have to redeem our time because he says the days are evil. I want to make the most of my life. And I think we all could admit that if we are not careful, these devices and the access that we have that can be so beneficial... Praise God for that. We already talked about that. Can also become a trap and, and, and literally suck the life right out of you. You have to ask this, your priorities. In Matthew 6 and 33, Christ says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says we've got to put him first. And if we put him first, God will take care of the rest. It is a fight in life to guard your prayer time and your reading the word time. It is a fight for life sometimes to guard those things. And if we're not careful, the time factor can get away from us. This has been well documented. This has been well documented of how much time people spend, not only on their phones, but in their screens, on TV, how much wasted time. I used to know all the stats. I can't remember all of them. I've shared them before. But by time, uh, uh, and these are probably now... 15-year-old stats of how many hours the average person will spend in their lifetime uh, watching commercials, watching people coming. That would be like a salesman. Imagine this. I mean, I mean, go back to the day. I can't remember how many hours it is in their lifetime. It's equivalent to like eight years or something like that. The average person will spend 
It's something crazy like that. Just absolutely absurd. How many hours they're going to be watching commercials. Can you imagine a hundred years ago before everybody had, had uh, a television? If somebody said, you're going to spend this many years of your life just standing at your front door with a salesman trying to sell you something. And it's going to come in five minute segments and it's going to interrupt you every 15 minutes of your life. That's, that's how much time sometimes things can suck out of your life. Exodus 20 and 3 says this, considering the time factor, he says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What he was telling the children of God was that not only am I your Lord, but nothing that displaces me. You cannot put anything in front of me that displaces me. Can I just be pastor for a minute? Thank you. If you have time to catch up and stay up with all the latest of all the latest trends, all the latest shows, all the latest stuff, every post that your choice celebrity people put, every speech that your politician gives, but you don't have time for prayer meeting, and you don't have time for the Word, and you don't have time for other things in your life, and then you come and you wonder why you're dealing with anxieties and depressions and all of this other stuff, let me help you out. Maybe we could reprioritize our life and say, you know what? Maybe I don't need to know what's happening around the world every day as much as I need to make sure that's what's happening in here is right with God. Maybe I don't need to keep up with the Kardashians and everyone else on what's going on. And maybe I need to keep up with what the Spirit is trying to speak inside of my life and inside of my heart where I'm at today. Maybe I don't need to worry about all that stuff. And I just need to put God first and watch God keep His Word when He said, and all the these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. You cannot outgive God. And that's not just in giving, that's in time as well. I've heard all. I've heard a whole lot of people say, I wish we would have been more faithful to church. I've heard a whole lot of people say, I wish I would have brought my children to church more. I wish I would have went to prayer meeting. I wish I would have done this. I've heard a lot of people as they've gotten older say, I wish I would have done more for the kingdom of God. But I have not seen or found too many people that have gotten at the end of their life and said, I spent too much time reading my Bible. I spent too much time praying. I spent too much time in church. I spent too much time listening to the word of God be preached. No. Why? Because there's something eternal that takes place in all of those things in your life. So remember, we are sheep among wolves. If you are without a shepherd, if we are without the great shepherd, we become vulnerable. We're vulnerable. It's arrogance. It's prideful to say that, um, oh, I can can do this. I I can handle this. How many stories? I'll belabor the point. I'd get sidetracked here. But how many stories have we heard of people who 
preachers and ministers who thought they could handle certain things and it got carried away. Even preachers and ministers are susceptible to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Things get away and get a hold of your heart. So we've got to put God first. So the time factor is the second thing that I would consider. The next two factors, and I know we're coming to a close here. I've got 10 minutes. But the next two factors are the factor of health and the factor of safety. I probably won't be able to finish all of these tonight because I've got a whole other page here of notes, and I don't think I've ever done that in 10 minutes. (laughs) Health factor and safety factor. Now, this is interesting. We all obviously think about the sin factor, and we obviously think about the time factor. Those are probably two of the preeminent or most prominent concepts when we think of navigating media. But even from a health standpoint, and I'm not speaking necessarily as much from physical health as we are psychological health, and then the safety factor. I want to give you a list of books that I want to recommend. These are books that I have in my library that I have read at least in part. Most of them I have read at length, if not all of them. Uh, The first book, of course, I've already referenced, called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. It's why we expect more from technology and less from each other. The second book that I'd recommend is called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And this is a public discourse in the age of show business. By the way, most of all of these authors are secular. Most of them are agnostic, do not espouse necessarily Christian values. Some of them do espouse some Christian values. And uh, akin to amusing ourselves to death, talking about the effect of us just allowing a constant barrage of entertainment, how it actually is affecting us. There's another one by uh, Dr. Archibald Hart, and it's titled Thrilled to Death, How the Endless Pursuit of Pleasure is Leaving Us Numb. He talks about the chronic uh, uh, diagnosis of anhedonia, which is uh, akin to a drug addiction. Once you get a high you have to take uh, uh, a larger dose to be able to get to that high again. And we've gotten to a place now to where we are thrill seekers and social media is created. This is recorded uh, uh, at length in a book called The Cyber Effect. This is an agnostic, an expert in cyber psycholo- uh, psychology explains how text technology is shaping our children, our behavior, and our values, and what we can do about it. This is an agnostic that was... Uh, uh, she's uh, from the UK, but she is uh, or, or was on the uh, police uh, department in LA because it's such an issue that they needed a cyber psychologist to be on the police force trying to figure out what to go on. And she talks at length about how the dopamine effect of uh, social media and other things are designed to become very addictive. And so people literally got to have a light, got to have whatever. And the scroll effect, how it's endless scrolling. There's never an end. It's just a constant cycle. You go to the search and that can be the most dangerous place. Just the open search and its scroll goes forever and ever and ever. And people get addicted to that and, and they're posting and, and, uh, uh, the, the, not the troll accounts, but I can't remember what you called where, where, where children and, and I say children, youth, not even youth. Let's, let's stop throwing youth under the bus on all of these things. 
things. It is youth, but it's immature adults. We'll have uh, upwards of, of 25 different me, uh, social media accounts. So they like and comment their own stuff to give themselves, make themselves look better in front of somebody else. I mean, how, how you, we, we think, oh, okay, this is crazy. Nobody would do this. Yes, this is being done. This is being done all the time. It's, it's probably uh, 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 susceptible to people here, even in this church. Cyber effect. I strongly recommend that one. Uh, I will warn you that when she gets to the end of the book, she basically says, I have no hope. I have no answers. And I am terrified by what kind of world our children are entering into. And she says the internet that we know is only 1% of the internet, the deep dark net that is not uh, uh, in any way policed or controlled. She says that's where all the evil takes place. That's where most of the human trafficking, that's where all of the other stuff takes place. And this is written publicly. You can buy all of these books, most likely every single one of these books in Barnes and Noble down the road. Nobody's hiding it but there are a lot of people not paying attention to it. Another book by a Christian is called Screens and Teens Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. That's good. Another one, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Another one is called Buyology, B-U-Y, Ology, The Truth and Lies About Why We Buy. And that's an interesting study on marketing and how commercials have such an effect on us and the psychology, the reason why people will drop millions and millions of dollars for just a few seconds in the middle of a football uh, game. Uh, and so that's interesting. When they talk about all those things, you cannot read these and it not, number one, as just a person, think, my goodness, what are we playing around with? We're playing around with fire. And like I said, most of these are written by secularists. Uh, the author of The Cyber Effect, I can't remember her name, escapes me right now. Again, she's not a Christian. She is agnostic. And she says, there is absolutely no way that any child under the age of two should ever see a phone, handle a phone, see TV, see any kind of screen, which I know can be difficult to do. But she says, because of what she says, the effects and what this does to children in our modern era. It's amazing to me that really the psychologist of this world and of this day and age, the people that are studying all of these effects are writing journal after journal and book after book, and they're putting it out there. And they, in the end, are preaching the same thing, the same common sense that the Bible says. Now, here's the thing. We are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And while we may be sheep among wolves, we have a great shepherd and we can navigate and we can stand strong and we can redeem it. That's why I said, have it, but redeem it. Amen. Don't let it be used for ill. Don't let it be, uh, uh, don't let it bring things or into your home or, or, uh, uh, unknowingly destroy, God forbid, destroy our children. There is a health factor and there is a safety factor. I, um, do not have time to go into both of those, but the final book I'll give to you was recommended 
on the internet, by the way, uh, on social media. This is a good benefit of social media. Uh, a good friend, a friend of mine, rather, that pastors in uh, Memphis, uh, Dr. Jackson, and uh, in the Memphis area, he is a, a, a physician, but he is also a church planner, a pastor, United Pentecostal Church. And he said that this was the most uh, startling uh, book of 2020. It just came out, I think, of fall of 2020. It's called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our daughters and just came in the mail last week and my wife quickly swiped it from me and has not let me get into it. She's reading through it. And so, but we've been discussing some of the highlights and in here, uh, again, not a Christian author, but in here, uh, the author here talks about how uh, our young girls today largely are spending upwards of nine hours on the internet. And they are coming of age uh, uh, when they are dealing with uh, their biological changes in their body and, and all of the pressures of, of puberty coming upon a young girl today, instead of being able to navigate those in a uh, environment where they would go to their parents or they would go to others and they would have support and there would be a time period where they would figure things out, they immediately go to the internet where there are all kinds of people waiting to tell them and interpret things for them. And while their body is changing and they don't even understand where it's going or what's happening, things are being spoken into their mind. Ideas that they don't even know how to wrestle with, things that they can't even understand. Their body is changing, but they're of the age where boys are still gross and they can't figure it out. And someone comes along and says, well, that's because you're this way and you're that way and you're this way. And they can't make sense of it. And almost all of the cases that she speaks about in here were done mostly the largest, the two largest influences that she says is taking place is social media and the schools. Social media and the schools are the two places where this is being propagated the most. This is a, this is a, 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 a common contributor to the Wall Street Journal. This is not necessarily a Christian person, individual, and she's saying, listen up folks, this is doing something bad to us. She's even, she's not even against, uh, She's not even against people uh, uh, of an alternative lifestyle and everything else. She's just saying what we are doing right now is so destructive and, and what our future is going to hold. What's going to happen to us is so scary. Can I tell you, we as children of God and people of God, we must be careful. We must be on alert. We must be vigilant. Amen. Parents, I want to encourage you to let God lead you. Let God lead you. You are are the parent of the home, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives. We need to be accountable to one another. Yes. We need to, we need to be, be careful of what we allow into our houses and into our homes. We, we do not need to be giving devices to our children that can throw them out in the middle of wolves without knowing exactly what's going on. And when our children are young, they, they're, they're going to say, this is horrible. You, you should have every password to everything that your child is involved with. This is a place of predators. This is a place of all kinds of things. 
I know, I know people probably aren't liking this. I know people probably aren't stomaching this. I know I probably got people that are not happy with me saying this right now, but I'm trying to help you. And I have a responsibility to help you. Your children are exposed to things. Remember, you are sheep among wolves. We need a shepherd. I, as a pastor, need the great shepherd. I need a shepherd. I keep myself accountable to other ministers. I keep myself accountable to my spouse. I keep myself accountable and even more. So your children should be accountable. You should be accountable to one another and we should allow godly principles to be at work and to be at play in our own lives. And the church said, amen. 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 I'll bring some more. We'll touch on this. We'll touch on the health factor. We'll touch on the safety factor. And then we're going to look at uh, maybe just some uh, biblical solutions for how to navigate this. And we'll wrap this up next week. But there is, there is a spiritual warfare that we are in. Stand together with me. And it is a spiritual warfare. Amen. We are in spiritual warfare more than ever before. I hope, I hope, I hope you're still okay tonight. I hope, I hope, you know, I'm not hurting anybody here. I don't think I am. But um, if you, if you say, well, pastor, that just sounds hard. That sounds, uh, that sounds really old fashioned. Well, frankly, I'm not really happy with where the fashion of this day and age is going. And God's called us out. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. One thing that we have to learn is we have to learn that you are going to stick out when you are saved and redeemed and called by God. You are going to stick out. And when you stick out, your family's going to stick out. And when your family sticks out, your children are going to stick out. And it is hard. And we, we don't do our children any favors when we try to protect them from, from standing out instead of teaching them what it means to be a Christian, how to navigate that, how to, uh, how to, how to love people um, in spite of that. I think some people just want to say, well, you know, it's so hard today. It's so hard today. It, my, my poor, and, and, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not, when I talk, when I teach like this, I want to say, I'm not thinking of any one person. I'm not thinking of anyone. I talk in generalities. I've been, I've been in ministry now, full-time ministry for going on 20 years. And uh, yeah, 20 years. That's scary. Um, Full time. I graduated Bible college 20 years ago. And uh, before that, I've been in youth ministry. I've dealt with this for years and years and years. And there's a pattern. So I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm not thinking of any family. I'm not thinking of any person. But when we just set our children down in front of stuff, and then we wonder why the home collapses and everything collapses, God's given us things. And we need to follow after God. We need to navigate these things. And we need the help of the Holy Ghost. We really need the shepherd in our life. So I've shared with you things that we've done. And I'm not saying that you have to do it that way. Because maybe you say, well, well, we can do it this way. As long as God is Lord in your life, 
And as long as you are filled with the Spirit of God and it's not deterring from your relationship with God, well, so be it. Let it be. It's not a worry. It's not a thing. But we need God's input in our life. I wonder if we could close tonight and just lift up our hearts toward the Lord and just ask God, God, would you help me to navigate this better? Come on, can you ask him? God, right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for letting me preach, teach tonight on such an interesting issue, God, that is so dangerous for so many. And I pray, God, for many of us, maybe it's not an issue, and I thank God for that. But Lord, I pray that we would be Christian, that we would be wise. There's wisdom that's needed. And God, we need your wisdom for our own life to strengthen our marriages and our families and our children's. And I pray, God, that for every parent, every, every person, every adult, every individual, every single individual, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and faith, that we could turn to your word, that we could pray and say, God, just show me things that I need to do better and things that I don't need to do. Help me and keep me, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you authority at all times in our life, in all things, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online.